future trends, deep insights, industry leaders. This is the iGaming Next podcast with your host, Pierre Lindt. A very interesting uh, guest and friend with me, Eric Bergman, um, who founded Catena Media back in the day uh, and uh, is now running the world's most controversial charity. Is that correct, Eric? Yeah, something like that. We'll see. <laughs> Great. There are probably more controversial charities out there. True, true. Well, Eric, uh, you have a very, very interesting background. Um, if I'm not mistaken, on the day you turned like 27 or 28 or something like that, uh, your company, Catena Media, was uh, listed on the uh, on the stock exchange and went public. Um, and that day made you to a multi-million um, euro person, basically. Um, so that was a good day. That was a good day, yes. And you have talked a lot <laughs> about how uh, how money kind of, um, I, I don't know if it's the correct way to say it was a disappointment or that it wasn't uh, the way you envisioned it, uh, perhaps. Uh, but you talked about that it felt great for a couple of weeks and then that kind of feeling subsided a little bit. Um, it's very interesting because uh, obviously, this brings us to the lifelong question of money and happiness. Uh, and I want to bring up a quote, <laughs> yeah. which is uh, uh, in favor of, uh, of that argument, which is that um, money can't buy happiness, but money can buy a jet ski. And I'm pretty <laughs> happy when I'm on a jet ski. So my question to you, Eric, is can money buy happiness? <laughs> well, lack of money can definitely create lots of problems. So no money definitely leads to a lot harder to be happy but i think so i believe money can buy some things that brings you happiness money can buy safety in general if you don't have any safety you're basically screwed it can buy uh, to some extent it can buy health to some extent it can buy like location so you get time out of that and you can buy social social status which gives you some kind of freedom and things like that. So it, it can definitely buy things that takes you towards happiness, but you can't buy relationships. You can't buy your health fully. So if you're sick and alone, I promise you it doesn't matter how much money you have, you're not going to be happy. And so it's definitely parts of what makes you happy, but you're missing out on a lot of things. And I believe that before I made all of that money, I made money up to be a bigger thing than it was that i felt like as long as i get that happiness will be forever uh, social status will be enough the freedom will be enough to bring full happiness and that was a disappointment that it didn't and i believe that pretty much everyone in society believes that if i only had more money i would be happier and it's true to some extent but it's definitely missing a lot of the possible as well yeah it's, it's an interesting question right i mean um i saw some study actually that said that uh, yes money can buy happiness but uh, only to a certain extent which is like um the the happiness increases together with your salary but only to a certain extent have, have you read those studies too or yeah i think it's, uh, yeah, yeah i think like it's like or something? If, if you yeah something like that depending on the study you read it's between five and eight thousand dollars a month yeah uh, anywhere in between and then i mean it all ties into when the when the salary goes up it usually goes up with responsibility so 
things that is dependent on your happiness is also like how much do i how much freedom do i have how much do i own my own time how much stress do i have and usually those things go up with higher paychecks as well because well if you're a ceo on a big company you're rarely having much free time it's very true yeah so rather than saying perhaps money can buy happiness maybe you can still maybe you can say money can buy freedom because like i said freedom yeah. freedom from being able to worry for what you're gonna eat uh freedom to don't have to worry too much about your health that you if something happens you can afford to go to the hospital freedom of movement perhaps you can travel uh, as much as you want would you say that those are the kind of yeah, I mean, those are the main things that I believe that money can buy that brings you happiness. But those are not the things that we are thinking about the most when it comes to buying. And the brain, at least my brain, was very, very wired towards uh, materialistic things, like a Lamborghini or a Rolex watch mm. or whatever it is, that whenever you see a commercial with those things or anything, there's like a big smile, that's what's going to get you happiness. And... I believe that's to be very false, but that's the picture that we create in our head. And I believe that owning your own time makes a huge impact of your well-being and your happiness. That if you can choose to stay in bed or choose to go up on a Monday morning when it's raining, that's going to make a big impact on how well you like that day. But if you have a Ferrari or a Volvo is going to make a lot less impact. And personally, I believe that a Ferrari is going to make you less happy than a Volvo because a Ferrari comes with social complications. A Ferrari brings you a lot of attention, but attention comes with envy. Attention comes with distancing. Attention comes with harder to determine if a friend is there because they want to be your friend or because they want to be next to your car and your social status. So a lot of the things, a lot of the good things that comes with the Ferrari, like joy or whatever, proudness, comes with a lot of bad things that are hard to, to see, like what it actually does to your relationship. How do your old friends feel about you having that car? How do someone else feel about themselves in your presence? If you're driving a Ferrari and they are driving a Hyundai, will you actually be the reason why their self-confidence goes down? And if you're the reason for someone else's self-confidence to go down, I mean, that person would probably not want to be your friend as much as before they felt that. And these are a lot of like invisible little things that you can't really touch upon comes with the complexity of having money yeah interesting and, and um i heard as well from a friend who said that said something interesting in this regard he said that uh, e even if um even if you have friends around you who might not necessarily be that impacted by uh, you know the ferraris or, or these type of things they come across as if uh, if they are genuine and stuff like that maybe they wouldn't start an argument all of a sudden now that the situation has changed uh, financially for, for the other person, that they otherwise would have started just to kind of not risk the relationship. You know what I mean? Take less risk yeah. in, the, in the friendship. Is that something, have, have you experienced, I mean, you must have experienced this a lot when you went through your transformation. The worst thing that I feel is when people use the phrase, that's nothing compared to you. Because mm. basically that means that people look at me 
and they feel bad about themselves. And that's the last thing I want my friends or my relatives to think. So like one situation was my, my father-in-law. He started talking about the financial situation that was troubling in, in his company. And I mean, it was big money for him and small money for me, but the feelings are equally the same. So he said like, oh, this is really bothering me, blah, 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 blah. And then ended like, yeah, but this is nothing compared to you. And I really don't want to be the reason, I really don't want my success to be the reason why someone else invalidates their own experience or feel bad about themselves and stuff like that. And that's one of the things that happens with this. Like, the same thing can go when someone has success. Like, I have another friend who finally managed to get financing to a movie that he's creating. Like, that's a really big deal. It's a small independent movie, but they landed like a 200,000 euro financing or something. And he was really happy about this and telling me about this. And then he said, yeah, I know that this is nothing compared to you. Mm. And I'm like, mm, I really <laughs> don't want to be the reason why you can't be happy for this success. And these are like the tricky things about money that I haven't said anything, I haven't done anything. I don't even have the Ferrari, but still this grain gets planted into other people of how they would relate to me or how I would relate to them. And those are the things that can make life challenging or like the real things, like the relationships of life becomes more tricky. And if those become more tricky, it's harder to be happy in general. Yeah, for sure. I mean, did you feel that you kind of, um, do, do you have kind of a filter or something like this uh, that uh, you look into people that you meet and you, you think, are they genuine or kind of, do they want something else or do you feel that a lot or no i, no. I feel that very little and I, mm. I think a big part of it is that i i don't have many fancy things i don't have the ferrari i don't have the vip table with 12 bottles yeah. of champagne it probably makes I a big difference yeah yeah i don't have the yacht so if you want to hang out with me for my luxury things you're choosing the wrong friend because i don't really have them so it's really easy for me to determine that this person is probably not with me because they want to drink my champagne because I have zero <laughs> bottles of champagne. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's fair enough. So, so I mean, <laughs> yeah. so so when um, so basically when you made the exit from Catena Media, uh, you you've talked about that you went through this kind of transformation and that uh, after a couple of weeks the uh, the uh, the feeling the great feeling of having a lot of money kind of subdued. Um, what was the process that led you to start your new product, great.com? Uh, yes, I, I kind of felt lost for quite some time. I didn't really know what the next step would be. And I was really overworked from, from Katina. I had pushed myself way too hard during that journey. And a lot of people with me pushed themselves really hard to make that happen. And I kind of just left everything for a while and didn't really know what to do. And I started involving myself in all kinds of different charity projects. And one big shift that happened was I went down to, to Africa to visit a, a school that I was help funding. And in the afternoon that day, the Toshden, the guy behind the project, he told me about how other teachers from other schools around could borrow this school building when it wasn't being used because it was much nicer than the other ones. Uh, on the condition that in here you never beat the kids. 
and that was like, well, of course you never beat the kids. That's so obvious for for me, but it wasn't obvious here. Like down here, the kids got beaten up and the kids had to be afraid. And that was the first time I really felt like, okay, money can be something so much more than cars or boats. It can be safety and it can be safety for children or for other people in much worse situations that I could ever dream of. And that became an, a big shift for me. And I started involving myself a lot more in charities. And I'm brought up from a family that is very humanitarian. My, my, my mother and my father always been involved in various things. And I ended up in the gambling industry, which is well quite far from charity, to be honest. Um, and I think once I went to this trip, I kind of find my way back to the family values I was raised in. So let's say I was born on this path and I kind of took a side turn somewhere and I went on a very capitalistic, very self-oriented journey of making money for, I don't know, 10 years, 15 years. And I got lost on that journey. And this trip to, to this school kind of brought me back. And I got involved with lots of different charities after this, but realized that, okay, building schools is not my top skill. Uh, trying to prevent malaria is not my top skill. Researching pandemics is not my top skill. I'm good at casino affiliation. That's what I do best. And I'm among the best in the world at doing that. So if I do that, and then I focus on giving my money to people who are really good at these kind of research projects or whatever, I believe that's how I can make the biggest impact. And that's where the idea of great comes from. Yeah, interesting. And, and um, I, I want to continue on this topic a little bit because uh, we mentioned specifically on the casino affiliation side of things. Um, you were in a very interesting interview recently uh, in Swedish TV yeah. <laughs> that I saw uh, <laughs> uh, with, uh, with Malou. And for the people watching now who doesn't know who that is, uh, she is basically the moral lady of Sweden. And Sweden is the, uh, the, the <laughs> biggest moral country in the world. Uh, <laughs> and um, she was grilling you quite uh, hard. Uh, and in my opinion, in a quite uh, relevant uh, topic, actually, uh, which is the fact that um, through, this, through the casino affiliation, um, at its core, um, you are enticing uh, obviously people to gamble um, some of which might not be a, uh, a positive experience for them um, and using that money to uh, to them send to charities would say um, so um, do you see any ethical dilemmas in that how do you tackle the ethical side of this so basically I believe that there is two sides to look at uh, doing good one way to look at it is to do purely good, meaning that you're not hurting anyone and you're never letting doing anything bad. You're just aiming to do good. And one way is to do the most net positive good, meaning that you might do some harm, but you'll do more good at the end of it. I believe that it's worth to do. I want to maximize the good I do. And then I think it's really, really hard to not do any harm at all. And if you're building a new highway, you're doing that for the pure good of the highway, but you're going to cause a bit more accidents than if there was no highway. And that's how I see this as well. But 
we're taking a bit of a different approach with great as well, which was something we didn't touch upon in that interview is that at the same time as we're building great, one of our main focuses will be to prevent climate change. That's where the vast majority of our donations will go. One of the other parts of this is that we want to make uh, problem gambling a smaller problem. So even though we will be a marketing company promoting gambling, we want to have as one of our core values of making problem gambling smaller. And we will do that by always having a lot of the uh, exposure on our site about preventing gambling addiction, that is, about how you can deal with it if you're gambling too much, how you can see if your relatives are gambling too much, what you can do, how the casinos are interacting to actually get you to play more and educating in these things. And we believe that the best place to give education about how not to gamble is on the top of the search results when you're looking to gamble. It's like, that's where you'll find this information. So we are in a situation where we can both be a marketing company, but both put this information in front of the eyes where people are actually looking for it. And this is really bad business. It's probably not gonna make financial sense for us. And that's why most companies have uh, the gambleaware.org in their footer, but not anywhere where you can see it. But we want to be able to combine these two and take our responsibility where at the end of the day, some people are going to gamble more because of us. Some people are going to find casinos they wouldn't have found otherwise. Some people will get offers they wouldn't have. But hopefully, a lot of people will stop gamble thanks to us. And that's one way to kind of marry these two principles. Okay, yeah, yeah, it's interesting. It's um it's an interesting argument because like like you're saying with the with the highway argument it's like yes it there will be accidents would say and 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 likewise uh, in in the gambling industry there will be uh there, there will be cases uh, quite sad cases in in this reality too uh, and i guess i guess the approach that you're taking is kind of if they are going to gamble anyway they might as well gamble through great.com so to say would that be fair yeah, to say pretty much I mean, yeah. and combining that with with an educational aspect, like, so I'm in a very specific situation because I'm really, really good at casino marketing and I'm not really, really good at anything else on that aspect, like in that extent. And if you mission this, if we compare uh, gambling to, to alcohol, and let's imagine for a second that I'm the best winemaker in the world then and i want to do the most possible good for the world one thing i could stop doing is uh, i could stop making wine and some people will drink a little bit less wine because the best wine in the world no longer exists but most likely almost everyone would just drink their wine somewhere else and buy their wine somewhere else so something that i could do is that i could keep producing the best wine in the world but i could do that and with every bottle bought is a folder on how to drink responsibly and where you can find your closest uh, alcoholics anonymous groups what you can do if your parents are drinking so the children can find this or whatever it is that if i did that and i was the best winemaker in the world i would probably educate so many people around the world in how to drink more responsibly that my net effect on 
uh, the alcohol consumption might go down, at least the problem drinkers, while I at the same time would make a lot of money from selling the best wine in the world that I could give away to a greater cause. And that's kind of what we're going for here, that we want to put this information in the hands of everyone who is, in this case, drinking wine, or in our case, playing casino, but then it's still up to them to make the decision. But if they went somewhere else, they would probably wouldn't find the information about how to prevent gambling addiction or anything in the first place. But we want to put this in front of them. Hence the title or the tagline, the most, uh, uh, sorry, the most um, controversial charity in the world, <laughs> I would assume. Yeah, so we're controversial because we're combining casino with charity and we're controversial because we're com combining casino with not to play casino. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. We're doing a lot of things which are a bit weird. Yeah, I mean, you, you draw a lot of controversy in general, uh, Eric. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I've, I've known you for, for quite some time, but now recently through, through this project, it's like... It's through a lot of different angles. I feel like uh, there's uh, through Malou in the uh, in the TV studio, but also uh, something that I noticed because uh, I, I follow your posts and things is that uh, uh, you've had a very unconventional way to kind of um, gain a following, uh, which you can spread this message through. Um, which is uh, you, you've been running uh, some uh, messages on uh, sorry some posts on LinkedIn uh, sorry not on LinkedIn on um, Instagram Facebook to kind of gain new followers through um, through charity initiatives kind of like like this li like this post and and I will and I will do uh, donate a dollar for everything and I and I've seen that you've gotten some flack for that um, <laughs> yeah. that that you kind of use that spending power to uh, to gain uh, a following um yeah but uh, so that's another controversy that you're <laughs> that you're mixing yourself into what would you be your take on on that uh, yeah, so, so what i've done is I've, I've posted i posted on instagram and i've said uh for every like on this picture i'll donate one dollar to the mm. rainforest for example yeah. and it's been controversial because people think that i'm only doing this to get attention i'm only doing this to get followers i don't really care about the rainforest which would mean that this is a really horrible marketing campaign because I end up spending so much money <laughs> for those followers. <laughs> and basically what I want to do is I would have donated this money anyway, but I want to combine it with raising the attention for these organizations. I want to combine it with making charity cool because if, if people feel that it's cool to have a Lamborghini, then I would love to make people feel that it's cool to donate $100,000 to charity. Because I believe that if, if it was as cool to donate money to charity as it is to have a Rolex watch, I don't think we would have had problems in this world. Because that's simply like, it's not, for some reason, it's not okay to be proud of donating money to charity. It's not okay to donate to get attention, but it's okay to have a Rolex watch around your wrist to get attention which is basically just a way of buying confidence and put it on your arm. And I want to change that. So I, I'm, I want to be the face of public donations. I want to be the face of doing this and say, yes, I'm doing this to get attention. I'm also doing this because it's very good. I'm doing this because I want people to talk about it. I'm doing this because I want a lot of people to see this. But yes, I'm doing this to get attention. And I'm doing this because I'm proud of it. And some people think that that's just double standards. and I can see that. Some people think that you can't mix 
doing good with doing business or whatever you're supposed to donate from a pure heart and i'm like no fuck that shit. i donate from whatever reason i want to and as long as you're not donating i'd say shut up <laughs> and that's basically what we're doing but most of it has been very positive and then there's always yeah. some haters doing it's always going to be that i i think because I've been analyzing this, right? Because I've been when I see these comments as well, I, I I try to analyze what is the reason behind it and things like that. And I think uh, why it gets a lot of luck is because um, some people. I think there are some people who who donate to kind of leave or to make up a story of themselves being a good person. So yeah. let's say that. Um, Let's say that you have a person who is doing a lot of, you know, selfish things. Let's say, uh, kind of narcissistic personality and things like that, and and then they would then they would donate only to to use that as a way to to convince themselves and others that because of that they are a good person. Uh, yeah. I'm not saying that that is uh, true for uh, everyone who uh, who is public with their their donations, and I think like you are saying that. Um, be, uh, that because people are able to be public with their donations, that obviously is a net increase of donations as a whole. So that is a positive thing. Um, but do you think as well that that charity is always positive? Can you see on certain individuals that it um, uh, let's say that it is for the wrong reasons, even if it does good? I don't like the word always. I don't like the word never because there is so, there is always yeah. something that never happens. <laughs> uh, but I mean, even if someone is doing this out of purely selfish reasons, I mean, that's why someone buys a Ferrari. No one buys a Ferrari because it does something good for the world. They buy it for purely selfish reasons and they do it to get attention. I don't, I mean, if someone chooses to donate and do it that for purely selfish reasons, I, I applaud them. Because that's still, in my in my perspective, it's a more beneficial way to do something for the world than it is to buy a Ferrari. But, but, still, but you see, the, you see this from the big money. picture, I would assume. Like uh, from the big picture, it's a, it's a good thing. But as an yeah. But would you say that you 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 respect everyone who uh, who 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 donates to charity individually, even if they do it for the wrong reasons? Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I respect them more than I respect someone who buys a Ferrari. Okay. I'd rather see someone donating to charity to get attention than buying a car to get attention. Uh, and for some reason, it's totally fine to buy a car to get attention. Yeah, exactly. I think... Uh, yeah, it could be. It could be similar. I mean, this is that certain demographic we are talking about now, right? There, there are some people who just love to drive their Ferraris on a racetrack. I mean, that's a yeah. Um, but how many people do you know thing. that drives their Ferrari on a racetrack more than they drive it in forty kilometers in yeah, the city? In Malta, in I mean, Malta especially. <laughs> in Malta, for example, there's tons yeah, yeah. of Ferraris in Malta. There is not a yeah, place yeah. you can drive over hundred kilometers an hour. There is no <laughs> one in Malta that owns the Ferrari because it performs the best on the streets. That's not why no. you buy a Ferrari. <laughs> no, no, I can, I can, I can see that as well. That it's uh, that uh, it's kind of that. It's a bit like narcissist, or, or they want to show that they they have money. They it's also a status yeah. thing. I mean, even even in your career, 
perhaps when you own a Ferrari or when you own an expensive watch, for example, you go into a meeting and you immediately gain some sort of respect for having those type of things, which then furthers your professional career as well. Um, yeah, I mean, that's a part of it. And yeah. it can definitely help. But I mean, I would rather develop the personal skill sets needed to do that than to get there by having a watch. And I would rather spend that money than on learning things or helping others to feel better about myself for that matter than to get there by my watch. I used to, I've actually been in meetings where I've heard people say, oh, this guy has a Rolex gold watch, so he probably knows what he's talking about, <laughs> where people have actually said that. So I know that that's, it's for a fact true that a watch can help you in negotiations because yeah. people are aware of it. And at the same time, I don't want to do business where that's the core thing that people measure. That's just not what kind of business I want to do. Yeah, exactly. There's, there's a lot of perspectives to to take into consideration with with these type of like materialistic things on the for, for me personally i think i can see a lot of perspectives why someone would own a ferrari even in malta and it would be for that reason it could also be the fact that you know um uh, some let's say not all ferrari owners <laughs> i don't want to <laughs> but uh, some do it perhaps because they want to uh, attract uh, a partner for example yeah could be i, could mean, be I don't blame them I don't blame those people I would either. I mean, to be fair, I would probably own a much sportier, fancier car if I was single than if I'm not. Yeah. So I completely understand that angle. Yeah. I mean, I would, so I would the, do the yeah. exact same thing. I'm not arguing. And I would probably have a fancier watch if I was single as well, even <laughs> though women don't really have the same interest in watches as men do. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, yeah there, are, there are these. I fully uh, understand. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, there, there is that to take into consideration, and, and that's nothing uh, wrong uh, uh, at all. Like, like, uh, like you, I would, if I, uh, if I had that type of financial uh, situation too, I'd probably, I don't know if I go for a Ferrari. I don't know what I would go. Maybe a Mercedes or something. I don't know. I, I have. There is nothing wrong to anything. Right. Uh, to be honest, I have a really nice. Uh, I have a Ferrari red Toyota Aigo, so there's that. Oh, nice. It's the color that matters. It's Ferrari red, <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's how we introduce it to everyone. <laughs> <laughs> All right. uh, let's, uh, okay, so uh, I, we have time for one more question, actually. And, I, and it's something that I'm quite curious about as an uh, entrepreneur uh, myself, if we move, now move into uh, that side of things. Um, Another very controversial thing that you that you are doing in general with your organization is um, you want to implement a lot of freedom uh, with your employees uh, at Great.com. And one thing that I've read that you, um, I don't know if you have implemented it yet. Uh, you can answer that perhaps is the is the fact that the employees can set their own salaries. Is, is that something you have implemented yet, or is this something kind you have of implemented, but not yeah. to a full extent? Not no, it's okay. not fully implemented at the moment, okay. but it's implemented in a way. Uh, so what what people can do now is that they can they can voluntarily chose to lo lower their salaries, and if they do, I'll donate, I'll double their the amount they're lowering their salary with, and we do that together to charity. So most of them have kind of set their salaries but they've chosen to lower it from so everyone 
everyone has either 36,000 euros a year or 72,000 euros a year working in the company. Okay. And that's the only two different salary levels we have. Okay. And a lot of them have chosen to lower their salaries with, for example, 10%, so 3,600 euros per year. And then I've chosen, I've donated 3,600 extra. And then they have gotten to choose a charity to donate that money to. So with that regards, they have set their own salary, kind of. But okay, but it's not the maximum, there it's yet, maximum but level it's of full yeah. freedom, which is one it's one of my goals. Okay. Yeah, it's, so, it's one of my my goals. And pretty much everyone who works in great has significantly lowered their salaries from their previous jobs. Most of them have half the salaries they used to have. So just the fact that they were willing to do that means to me that they would be able to take responsibility for setting their own salary because they wouldn't have started with great if they were doing it for the money, because we we're a really shitty company to work for if you want to make the most possible money. <laughs> yeah, th yeah, that's how it's supposed to be in a charity, right? So, uh, you know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, so I think charities, I think one of the sad parts about charities is that they can't pay the same salaries as the commercial world, which means that if you want to work for a charity, you need to make a sacrifice yourself which i don't know why but i mean microsoft can pay a ceo i don't know five million dollars a year but if save the children would pay a ceo five million dollars a year people would like shoot that ceo which to me doesn't really make sense because the save the children ceo is probably equally important as the microsoft ceo but, but wouldn't you want wouldn't you saving. want wouldn't you want the type of ceo who uh, who doesn't take money uh as their primary source of inspiration in in an ngo you want the best one for the job and but if he adds a lot more value than someone else if he adds a lot more value than someone else then it's like if so basically at the moment if you work in a charity as a ceo you earn about 20 percent of what a ceo earns in a bigger company like an equal sized other company. So it means that just to be the CEO, if you need to give up 80% of your money just to be in the uh, charity sector instead of the commercial sector, you're doing a really big sacrifice personally where you might as well, okay, let's stay in the commercial sector, donate 50% of my salary to charities, still have a lot more than I would if I was working as a CEO for a charity and probably make a bigger impact. And it's just, a weird way because that way the charity sector loses a lot of the best people because people are not willing to make such a big sacrifice personally to work in charity instead of the commercial but if you have a, if you have a ceo of, of a big charity making uh, an enormous amount of money and, and the employees are making a lot of money and stuff like that the, the bottom line for the actual charity becomes very low yeah but not if that let's let's take this let's say we have a ceo and he's the best in the world at fundraising. So if he has with uh, Save the Children, he manages to raise an extra $50 million a year better than anyone else, which is like 50 million extra. And then maybe say, let's say he has a $5 million a year salary. That's a lot of money. But Save the Children gets $45 million extra thanks to that. And now let's say they can only pay him $500,000 per year. So he chooses not to work there. Uh, and he works in the commercial sector is, instead because he doesn't want to do that big of a sacrifice himself, then Save the Children loses those 45 million extra dollars because he was such a good fundraiser, so good at marketing or whatever it was. And that's just weird 
I mean, obviously he needs to be worth the money, but it's tricky because you're not allowed, quote unquote, to have big salaries in uh, in the charity sector, which gives the charity sector a much, much harder time recruiting the top talents of the world. I mean, isn't it a little bit human nature? I mean, um, like if you potentially would give that type of uh, salary to um, to a CEO, it then raises the questions, what should the employee salaries be, right? And then it raises yeah. the question. So, so again, th that would, by nature, uh, kind of if, if you if you drive the charity as an actual enterprise, that would obviously drive the costs up like hugely in comparison to an NGO. Um, but then you have the moral dilemma too that every single person who looks at the charity uh, will say, you know, what the hell? They are not doing it for the right reasons. Uh, let's say. But maybe that leads back to the original question of it doesn't matter if it's for the right reasons or not. Exactly. And I mean, that's the thing. It's because that people look at it with some kind of moral glasses that charities have to be a lot better at everything they do with a lot less money than anyone else to be morally okay. Uh, and it's just a really tricky situation because charities aren't really allowed to fail either. If you were to push in a million dollars into a charity project and that failed, people would be really, really furious for the waste of that money. Mm. But if you put in a million dollars in a commercial project and that fails, then it's like, oh, shit happens, it's business. And everyone knows that if you're not allowed to fail, you can't really make good progression because you can't take risks. So this is another side where charities are in a really tricky situation because if they fail or don't deliver results, they're screwed. But if they fail in the commercial sector, they might just be brave and done a miscalculation. So there's all kinds of ways to look at charity where charities fall short compared to the commercial side because they're not allowed to fail. They're not allowed to pay uh, high salaries for the best people. They're not allowed to take time. I mean, if you look at a lot of startups, they're not making any money the first five years. If you start a charity and you're not doing any good for the first five years, I mean, you're going to get killed. <laughs> But it's okay when you run a business. But what about um, so? Let's say that uh, let's let's say that this would be morally introduced to our society. Uh, don't you think a lot of don't you think a lot of people would take advantage of of the fact that you can start an NGO with a high salary? Uh, so you'd have a lot what more. Way? So so you'd have a lot a lot more opportunists people who would go into charity projects only for the reason that they want to make a good uh, that they want to make good money. And perhaps there would be a lot more um, products that that use that as their primary incentive is to increase salaries. So they, they would try to increase would, the salaries together with the donation levels. I mean, they would still need to be good at raising funds. I but mean, who would judge that? I mean, I mean if, if at the end of the day you need to be good to raise funds, you need to be good to make money somehow for this to be possible. The problem is that it's a bit of a chicken and egg, uh, egg situation where hen and egg situation where you might need good people to be good at fundraising, but to be able to get the good people, you need to have money to pay them. And you're not allowed to pay the best people because, well, then you're back to square one. And I mean, I don't think that the commercial side of the world and the charity should have the same salaries. I think it makes sense that people working in the charity side should have slightly lower salaries or kind of showing that they're there for the good cause. But 
maybe 10%, not like 70%, which there is in many factors. Yeah, exactly. That's I think that's where I, I tend to kind of disagree a bit because if I would if I would donate to a charity, I would want to know that the that most of the bottom line of my donation would go to a good cause rather than to someone's um, salary within the organization. Because there's a difference if let's say 90% of my donation goes to the actual cause, or if 10% goes to the actual cost. Don't you don't you think that too? Yes, I think that this is the this is one of the biggest challenges for charities that this is uh, conceived as the truth. So let's put it. Let's take it to an extreme example. Let's say you donate a uh, hundred thousand dollars to a charity organization, and you're the only person who donates money to this organization, and they take those hundred thousand dollars and they give them to uh, the drilling wells in Africa. Really good. Your money came there and you got to drill 10 wells with this money so people could drink water in Africa. Or they take that money and they spend all of it on a marketing campaign. This marketing campaign manages to get 200,000 of donations in. So now they certainly have $200,000 uh, $200, in donations and they can drill 20 wells instead. Zero of your money went to drilling wells, but you got 20 wells for your money instead of 10 which, I mean, you probably want 20, 20 wells of impact rather than 10 wells of impact, but none of your money went to what you were planning it to go to. And organizations aren't allowed to take these kinds of risks and do marketing because it creates a situation where people don't want to fund marketing campaigns, even though you would get better results. And to the extreme of this is also like, okay, so you, you, you donated uh, $100,000. Other people donated $200,000. That's $300,000 in total, out of which only $200,000 went to the cause. So in total, 66% of the donations went to the cause. You following? Yeah. Uh, which means that 33% didn't. If you're going to have um, like official charity status in many countries, you need to donate at least 80% of the money to the actual cause. So you couldn't even do this kind of marketing, even though you doubled the money, you've only donated technically 66% of the money that you got in because you spent 33% on marketing. So even though you used the first 100K to get 200,000 extra, so you got a lot more bang for the buck, you violated a lot of like terms that are supposed to be done or not supposed to be done. Mm. I, I know you have to leave now, uh, Eric, uh, uh, but I want to I want to just give in a, a last comment on this because I think that uh, personally I think that if you would implement something like that, uh, you might cripple the smaller the smaller charities, right? So you might end up in a situation where you have like the Amazon of charities that are the best at at doing marketing for their causes, but actually a minority of the actual. Um, money goes to the right causes, whereas you have the smaller organization who doesn't have the resources to do any marketing because they want to donate as much as possible um, and they might not get noticed at all. So it, it's a, to me, it's a bit of a give and take in that regard. So, so I could yeah. talk about this all day. I know, and I know. The short, answer, yeah. the short answer is that we would benefit from having a lot less smaller organizations because almost all the actual impact comes from large organizations that have quite a lot of overhead, but that have 
processes to make a lot of impact with each thing they're doing. And if you're starting an organization to drill one well in Africa, that's going to do a lot of mistakes, going to be a lot of headache, it's going to be a lot of problems compared to donating to someone who drills wells every day and knows exactly what they're doing. So unfortunately, a lot of the money that's being wasted in charity is within small organizations. Uh, but yeah, that's a controversial thing to say as well. And yeah, we would need a lot of time to, <laughs> to pick that apart. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But yeah, in short, I think the world would be better off without the small organizations. But that's just an, an, a, a box to open another day. Exactly. We we close the uh, the podcast with that thought. Something to think about. That is for sure. Which is your favorite uh, charity, Eric? Uh, I'm read up on givewell.org because Give every organization there is top ranked in various ways. So they recommend other organizations. Okay. But that's a wonderful one. Have that's a lo lovely day, Pierre. Good talking to you. Uh, yeah. Thank Cheers. you so much. Guys. Have a good day. Bye. Cheers. <laughs>